0: Turmeric has been used in traditional Asian cultures for thousands of years as both a spice for cooking and for medicinal uses. Now medical science is backing up many of the traditional health claims made about turmeric and the compounds it contains. In this podcast, I investigate the turmeric story, outline why the focus seems to be on the bioactive compounds such as curcumin contained in it what the research says about the many health conditions linked to it and give you some guidance on the different supplemental forms available. Turmeric is a spice belonging to the same family as ginger that has been used in traditional cooking for thousands of years, but it is best known for its use in Indian curry dishes. The turmeric that we see on shelves is made from the ground roots of the plant, There is a lot of interest in the potential health benefits of turmeric, and for this, it is the primary bioactive substance in the spice, curcumin, that gets most of the attention. Curcumin is a yellow pigment, so this is the secret source responsible for the colour of turmeric. Curcumin is a polyphenol with anti-inflammatory properties but while curcumin is all you see and hear about there are plenty of other compounds belonging to the wider family of curcuminoids that could be beneficial so you can't always infer from observational studies of people who eat lots of turmeric so those of an indian heritage are key groups that are normally looked at by researchers and any health benefits they may gain and then say it is all from the curcumin in turmeric and then stuff capsules full of the stuff. Most over-the-counter supplements you'll find on the shelf have curcumin as their main ingredient as it can be extracted from turmeric to give much higher potency doses than you would find in native turmeric. But curcumin is absorbed poorly, hence the myriad of different formulations that have been created to improve its bioavailability. A common co-agent to help curcumin absorption is piperine which is a bioactive compound found in black pepper. Then there are a whole bunch of proprietary formulations that combine the curcumin with lipids and other chemical agents. Each touted by the manufacturer with fancy looking graphs for how much more bioavailable their formulation is compared to their competitors. It's a curcumin arms race. Some of the popular proprietary curcumin formulations you'll find in supplements go under the trademarks of BCM95, Curcumin, Meravilla, Long and then there are a bunch of others as well. So let's get to the crux of today's podcast. Apart from the enjoyment of a delicious curry, are there any real health benefits from taking curcumin as a supplement? Now this is one area where there was a lot of research. But it is also one area that promoters get a bit carried away when proclaiming the miracle health benefits of it too. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Curcumin tops the list for being a purported anti-inflammatory agent. I've already done a whole podcast on the topic of inflammation. So to get up to speed on this topic, check out episode number 61. Many of the conditions looked at in clinical trials with curcumin or turmeric have chronic inflammation as their base. So let's look at joint arthritis first. There have been a bunch of randomized controlled trials published in this field and a systematic review and meta-analyses from 2016 could analyze most of them. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. And what they found was that there was some evidence for a benefit but the quality and size of the clinical trials that informed the review were not of a high enough standard to make a firm conclusion. Okay, so what about a specific type of arthritis, that being osteoarthritis? Only in the last week, a systematic review and meta-analysis has been published, which I'll link to in the show notes. 15 randomized controlled trials made the grade, and the overall finding was that curcumin can reduce joint pain and stiffness and improve function potentially to a level to that seen with common non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. The review advised that it is recommended to trial curcumin supplements for at least 12 weeks to ensure enough time to see a benefit but the results are not always spectacular in every clinical trial and for every condition. So curcumin may not be some cure-all anti-inflammatory supplement for every disease under the sun. In fact, a recent review of clinical trials that use curcumin in people with a wide range of chronic inflammatory conditions could not find any change in blood markers of inflammation, those being C-reactive protein or CRP, interleukin-1, interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha. So the evidence for using curcumin lies in a few well-described conditions so far. But even then, in some of those conditions, they do show a decrease in, in inflammatory markers in the blood. But these are only proxy measures of if an agent is having an effect. Then there are clinical trials that looked at if turmeric or curcumin is effective in lowering blood lipids such as LDL cholesterol, in people with multiple risk factors for cardiovascular disease, such as having type 2 diabetes or metabolic syndrome. A review of seven clinical trials found a statistically significant improvement in LDL cholesterol and triglycerides in people taking turmeric or curcumin, compared to the placebo group. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. Whether the changes in serum lipids translate into a long-term, real-world reduction in the risk of major cardiovascular events, such as heart attack or stroke, is unknown at this stage, though. And then there is all of the research with curcumin in sport and exercise, where the use of the purported anti-inflammatory action may help with exercise recovery. What does the evidence say? Well, for something completely different, I'm going to cite a systematic review, surprising I know, and this was published only in April of this year, which I'll link to in the show notes. Eleven papers were included in the review, and most of the studies showed positive effects of curcumin supplementation for reducing inflammation and oxidative stress, as well as decreasing pain and muscle damage, improving recovery and muscle performance. And to add to that, better psychological and physiological responses during training and improved gastrointestinal function, all with no side effects reported. The most common doses used in the trials range from 180 to 500 milligrams per day with supplemental curcumin and only for a couple of um, short periods of a few days around intense exercise and that was enough to see a benefit. And finally, to round things out even further, one area that has attracted quite a bit of research interest, which is the role of curcumin in helping to treat depression. Inflammation is considered one of the underlying pathologies that is part of depression. So, a proposed anti inflammatory agent, such as curcumin, could help. In a recent 2020 systematic review and meta analysis of clinical trials, which I'll link to in the show notes, nine randomized controlled trials were looked at with most studies involving people with major depressive disorder. The results were quite surprising for the magnitude of benefits seen for curcumin supplements having a benefit on both depression and anxiety symptoms compared to people taking a placebo. And the benefit was seen across different study designs regardless of study duration, the dosage of curcumin, or the type of depression but a disclaimer here in that sample sizes across all studies combined was just over 500 people and the amount of curcumin used ranged from 150 milligrams to 1500 milligrams per day in a variety of different forms and interestingly though any benefit of curcumin in depression may not all be related to a direct anti-inflammatory effect as curcumin has also been shown to raise levels of a brain chemical called BDNF. BDNF is a key molecule involved in brain neuroplastic changes related to learning and memory. And several lines of evidence suggest that BDNF is involved in depression, since the expression of BDNF is decreased in people with depression. Curcumin supplementation from 200 to 1,800 milligrams per day for 8 to 12 weeks can elevate BDNF levels. And you know what else can raise BDNF levels? Exercise, which is also a key lifestyle habit that can help with some of the symptoms of depression. Now there are some other growing areas of interest that curcumin may have a role to play. Cognitive decline with Alzheimer's disease colorectal cancer and ulcerative colitis all come up as being areas that the research is still in an early stage but some promising results are being seen so let's wrap all this up the list of potential benefits of supplemental curcumin seems to be quite broad but this podcast is not advising you or anyone that you should be taking it for any old condition that ails you but I've presented enough research here that would enable you to dig a bit deeper to see if it may be worth exploring trialing curcumin for a particular condition. The ones I've presented in this podcast are where the most research has been done. So by doing a little bit of investigation yourself, you can determine what type of dose and formulation may be appropriate to trial. But as a ballpark, it seems 500 milligrams of curcumin or curcuminoids is likely an effective starting dose. Now taking natural turmeric would need a higher amount as the curcuminoids in it are just one component and natural variation and bioavailability can be an issue. Combining turmeric with black pepper for its piperine content in your cooking will help you absorb more of the curcumin. As for what form of supplemental curcumin is best, there are so many on the market. So I would suggest trialling several different types, either with piperine or using a proprietary form that has solubilised the curcumin in a lipid. And I've mentioned some of the main brand names that would be listed on a supplement ingredient list already. So ignore the manufacturer's overhyped bioavailability claims, as these aren't always from human studies. And if you don't feel one form is benefiting you, then you can always trial another. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on, if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win. Credible, evidence based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition.